Comrades and friends, thanks for joining this episode of the Highlands Bunker podcast. We've recorded uh, basically two episodes for you. The first was a hangout session uh, that uh, we had with a beautiful panel. It was Jessica Rain, Ty Greer, Jordan Howell, Super Producer Carl, and we had a uh, we had a fun episode. But before that, we had recorded some interesting stuff about the Delaware call. That is going to be available in a few days, maybe Monday. But right now, what we're going to do is drop a fun one for you, and we're going to drop the the, the post game, the the late night, you know, the after hours talk, uh, just here on Patreon, and then, you know, we'll 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 drop some uh, Delaware Call stuff both on Delaware Call and Patreon. But I just wanted to uh, give you a little idea of what's what's happening, and Carl will. Carl will make it happen. So enjoy this episode of the Highlands Bunker podcast. Left is best. Henry Ford? Yeah, his, he had some yeah, issues. He, he had some issues. Problems. Not I just think guy. that you know the you know the uh, the thing he did with the melting pot. You know that. Do you know that story? No. no. Oh, so listen to this. So so you know Henry Ford uh, is a uh, humongous um, anti-Semite and racist. Everybody pretty much knows that, right? That's I'm not telling anybody anything they don't know. Well, one of the things that he would do at the at the at the Ford plants. Uh, early on in like the 30s and 40s, before World War II, uh, was he he would uh, he would hire immigrants, um, a lot of German Germans, uh, Eastern Europeans, uh, Jews and stuff. You like Germans, huh? Yeah, all of them. But I, I meant not Jew. You know what I meant? Like other other Germans. So, but but he was such a uh, freak. You'd also have to go to these like. Americanization classes where they would like teach you everything. They would teach you like all the stuff Americans do, shoot fireworks on the 4th of July, teach you how to brush your fucking teeth, like all this kind of stuff. And at the end, Americans brush their teeth back then. I look, as That's far the as biggest I, surprise, as far as you know. Um, but then at the end, so now they're an employee, but when they finish the course, like that's connected to it. Um, they would do a like a, a a program, a presentation, and the families would come, and right there at the plant outside, they would have a stage, and they would come up and they would get their uh, diploma, dressed as you know a peasant from Poland, or dressed as some a guy from a beer drinker from Bavaria, or a Romanian person, or an Italian, or whatever. Um, and then they would go in behind a melting pot where steam, they would make steam come out of it. And, and they would change clothes behind the pot. And then they would come out on the other side just dressed like the, all of the workers dressed. Yeah, so it's it's funny because that's actually, technically that's progressive for that era. Because usually what they did was they would hire a bunch of immigrants and everything. But they just put them in different departments so that they didn't talk to each other. And so they couldn't unionize. Ah, um, right. And so they would just try to get them to hate each other so they could control all of them, which was fun. Yeah, actually, it's fair. To, I learned that 
Um, actually, not in a, uh, the first time I learned that. I've read it subsequently in history and stuff. But I was reading a novel. Uh, the novelist, uh, I think it's Jeffrey Eugenides, is from Detroit. And so he wrote a novel. Um, damn, I can't remember the name of it. But it was about, a lot of it had to do with this pre-war um, family from Central Europe. Or no, they were from Greece. They're from Greece, um, and and they guy the the the, the guy worked uh, at Ford, and this he, this happened to him in the in the novel. And then when I after I was I looked it up afterwards, and this, it was actually a thing like, that oh, they this did. This is real. It's real. Wow. That they really did it. Yeah. So wait, I wanted to share something I found today because I was. Um, Spending time going back through old election results in the state of Delaware. Oh, this sounds like Carl. This is fucking Carl content. Yes, yes. Oh, Christ. But it's not that fun. Um, but it never, it never is. I know, don't get popular. Are you saying Delaware elections aren't fun? I mean, I thought I was trying to say it earlier in the first part. I mean, you can ask my husband on that. No, so I went back through all these docs, like back to the 70s, basically. And I found this amazing thing. Do you see this? Like it was on the cover sheet oh, wow. of like the election commissioner's report from like 82 or 78 or something. And I was like, this is like the eighties were so fash. It's unbelievable. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, if you don't vote, who will? Isn't that, it I mean, scary? Well, you could ask the same thing. It's just the logo kind of. Uh, I know. It's yes. So aggressive. It's so aggressive. Anyway. They I mean. Really, really loved it. They mean like poor people or black people, I right? I assume. So. They I really definitely think, do. Yeah. They're like, they're like, what if all of the, all the black people you see in the cities, what if they vote? Yeah. And you vote? Because <gasps> yeah. this is right after, this is right after the Civil Rights Act. So this is still mm -hmm. like a new concept. Yes. Oh, boy. I know. And that's why I was like, this is dark. The other thing that's amazing is that when they're tabulating results, they're broken out by city of Wilmington, yeah. but it's not Newcastle County. It, it's just, it's like rural Newcastle County. Like it's yep. specifically called like the rural part. <laughs> like This is all very bizarre. But anyway. well, I mean, all of Newcastle County was basically rural until right. the 1980s. It it's just like funny that that was specifically what it was called. Like, it's funny looking at pictures of Newark because I've been, if you go into some of the UD buildings, they'll have like older pictures of Newark before like 1970. And it was just two buildings and then it was all surrounded by farms. Yeah. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, that changed. And they had the stone balloon there, like this one <laughs> legendary concert venue that was then turned into shit. Deer Park. Deer Park's been there a while. Uh, and Deer Park's been there a while. Yeah. I mean, my parents used to talk about, you know, I, I don't, I don't really have any memory of, like I call it the Kirkwood Highway corridor uh, until like the eighties, and so it was pretty much kind of the way it is. I mean, obviously it's more built up now, but it was still like. But my parents said, you know, when they were, uh, say, high school age, it was still like just one lane in each direction. Nothing's happening. You know, it's pretty. It was pretty rural. Yeah, in between, say, Newark and Wilmington. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of the other funny thing too is like the vote totals start getting so small because the population was probably like <laughs> so smaller too. And like, it, it's really kind of interesting to just go back and see that. And then there's all these like other parties that I couldn't even identify what they were. Fun little project. <laughs> oh.
See, I'm a Delaware transplant. I came from New York, and so uh, it's 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 weird because Delaware is like it seems like it's so simple, and nobody knows nothing about it. Like people who've lived here their whole life, they don't know anything about anything here. I was sitting having a conversation with somebody, and I was talking about the Underground Railroad Museum and you know the documents and stuff. And they're like, "Huh? The what? Like what? Like you guys only have like five claims to fame? How do you not know this these things? You know." Delaware was pretty important on that particular. Yes. We actually, oh, that's a weird memory that I just remembered from elementary school. Um, they made us, this is a mostly white public public elementary school uh, on, I forget what day, it might've been a Black History Month thing. We, the, a bunch of like six-year-olds went through the Underground Railroad, um, which was just different stops along the circular school. What? Um, and then this like, was happening like <laughs> and like this is and the principal was like dressed up as like one of the guys who was on the underground railroad and they had like cut out paper it was very that's a weird thing that that happened now I, this this, this kind of goes into what i was what i was going to say i don't think about that that often ty, ty mentioned that she's from new york and, and and jess is from new york you're not from delaware and neither is jordan I'm 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 like the guru here. I know I, I went to elementary school here. That counts. Oh, okay. If you go to high school in Delaware, you're from Delaware. That's I my... went to high school. Well, technically, only went one year in high school because I was at Dell State the other two years. But yeah, because like people ask you where to go to high school, they don't ask you where you were. Well, sometimes they ask you where you were born, but um, not as much as when they ask you where if you went to high school. Yeah, but nobody remembers me from high school. Guys are all posers, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I'm a phony. Hmm. Can I just say the most interesting part about this to me is it's that it's like sometime Delaware. Well, not at some time we actually know what it was, but you know there was like I don't think this whole like this I, I don't think this is by accident or this just happened, right? There were there are concerted campaigns throughout the 1950s, 60s, and 70s to literally tear down entire parts of you know Wilmington in the name of like you know or you know reurbanization or urban renewal. Um, uh, you know, the historically, you know, historically black downtown or part of downtown in Wilmington, uh, along French Street and Walnut Street and King Street there, um, you know, where Mother Africa Church, which is just down the street from my house, um, you know, used to used to be located down there. You know, all of that was leveled for a convention center that was never built. Um, mm -hmm. And it just sat vacant for years. You know, when when Wilmington decided to become the company town, and, you know, when Delaware decided to become the company state, you know, that's, you know, you got to make room for those companies. And what inevitably ends up happening is you just, um, you know, tear down your history, you tear down historic districts in order to build these, you know, glass towers with, uh, you know, commuter with a mostly, I don't want to say mostly, but with a lot of, uh, you know, commuters who come into working banks and then, and then leave town. Um, you know, this was, you know, I think to some extent it was planned. Absolutely. Wilmington used to be 50% of Delaware's population back in the 1920s. Um, it's like it was insanely large. It, it had way more people than it has now, just in numerical number, um, which, I mean, it makes sense if you drive around certain parts of Wilmington to see all the vacant houses, um, just entire blocks like in the east side that are completely abandoned. Because those used to have, used to be places where people lived. And a lot of the bigger apart, like um, the house that I used to live in um, used to be apartments or it used to be a nun school or some sort of Catholic school that just eventually got converted into housing. So like 
there used to be, I think, well over 100,000 people who lived in Wilmington, but then parts just got torn up for the highway. They got torn up for all these buildings. And then a lot of people just left because it got so bad because they completely neglected it. Yeah, my parents did talk about, uh, because that they're of that age, like boomer age, about the, the, the building in 95. And there's been some stories about, there's been some stories in the paper, and it's it's a pretty, you know, it's a known story, I guess. People under people understand that it happened, that basically they dug a ditch through the middle of, of a city that had 100,000 people in it. And so if you do that for like two or three blocks wide through the whole city, that's uh, going to fuck shit up. And uh, so people, again, this is kind of goes back to the, financial thing like people know it like they, they sort of know that it happened but they but there's no it's sort of like history itself right <clears throat> uh this his, the history they teach you in school doesn't explain how everything got like this it's like this happened on this date with these people and then later on this happened with on this date with these people but they don't explain like how it got from those people to that. Like, th- there's no context. Yeah, right. No, it's like remember dates. <laughs> that's the that's the history you get, especially if you don't con- continue into any sort of post secondary school history. It's very much like remember these points in time and what happened on them, and be able to reiterate that. But it doesn't get into the context of what was going on and who had power and who was wielding power and who was destroyed because of it and. I, the, Are you saying I, that all of history is a series of class struggles? Oh, I might, I might be saying that. That's Just a, really a little point. bit. Carl with a K. <laughs> Coming through. Well, and I we opposing were forces, a... dialectically exactly. opposed. <laughs> there's a super stru- superstructure and base as a basis. There's things you can read that explain it. I mean, they they want we'll you the to notes. appreciate that you're going to be working for the rest of your life, keep the economy going. Even though the economy is going to, you know, yeah. poo on it's you. It's not going to keep you going. It's not going to keep you going. It's going to poo on you, but at yeah. least you're going to be, you know, a you know, good member of society who will work for peanuts and not complain because you want to make sure the rich stay rich. That is, it won't work for you unless, unless you invest money in GameStop. Yes. Yes. Get, get that me was up. great. Carl, buy, great. Buy 50,000 shares of BlackBerry. Stat. Yes. So I've been in BlackBerry since midday. I've been in AMC since the morning. (laughs) Listen, I I don't have anything going on in my life. I need something to just feel. I have a uh, I have a long through call position on Orange Julius. (laughs) Oh, nice! You're getting in ground floor. Got to blockbuster, all that. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. So if people don't know, or if they've heard and they don't understand, maybe we can kind of lay it out for people so a group of subredditors sort of (laughs) you know like people on a bulletin board online i guess you would call it (laughs) who are all i mean wouldn't you call it that i guess you subgroup claim bulletin board is the reddit subcommittee i mean i see reddit i see screenshots of reddit looks like fucking bulletin boards from a nine Fucking R slash yeah, terrible you just graphic. Walk by, you just like smack your postcard up there with a tack. Yeah, you come back in a couple bullshit. hours, see what everybody says. Oh, you don't know they called them that? Oh, see, I'm old. Listen to this. That's a little aside. Carl. I mean, I know boards. I just I think, I think the fact that's what they called them. Board that's what they came. Made from. me laugh. I Sorry. remember the first time I saw the internet. 
Have I, I mean, ever told all I knew story, was Carl? forums. Like, that's all that w- the early you've internet not, was. You've not told the story. Going into forums. So the first time I ever saw the internet, I moved into uh, Gilbert Dorm. It's not even there anymore. They had to bulldoze it. After I was there, they had to fucking bulldoze the whole fucking complex. Uh-oh. I moved into Gilbert F. Uh, this is like the last weekend in August, 1996. So before I was born. But, Thank you for giving us that. Love content. that. In history, that. it's important to have the I was born. To understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck all you guys. <laughs> I even almost had a kid by then. <laughs> See, you got it. That's what I, I, I could have, you know, I dodged a couple bullets there. So I, I could have been right there with you. I don't uh, have that kind of look. <clears throat> uh, well, uh, so, I, you know, you're meeting the people there and you're, it's your first time. Like I have, I was young for my, for my class because my, birthday actually wasn't until september so i actually moved into the store when i was still 17 <clears throat> so you're meeting people and there was this guy from from uh from philly and his roommate was a kid from upper darby and they had like the full computer and the modem the the, the full modem that you put the like in war games shit and i was like well what do you do when you dial to the he's like i dial into these bulletin boards and i can get sports scores <laughs> and it looked like reddit he was just go in and would like, and they called him bulletin boards. That was the first time I had ever seen like what was the internet, and but that's what they called them. So okay. I don't want to hear I'm any sorry. bullshit about them. How like I don't call it the right thing. <laughs> I, I'm giving I you the that. history. I'm giving you the history of how we yeah, got here. I appreciate that. Carl's like I'm cutting all of this. So I'm gonna edit some dialogue. Back to you, exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. Oh yeah, dial-up modem sound. I know all that. I mean, listen, the very first. I don't remember that at all. Many many years of my life were spent on. Forums is more where my word goes. So I guess I was just a few years behind you, Rob. That's honestly the biggest thing for me that Carl would never understand is so that was my freshman year. So as we go through university, you could log into like the university, like the Gopher and all of the all the networks that they had. There was no real internet, but you could, they had a big network. The internet, but the intranet. <laughs> but to use it, you had to go to like the the, the fucking computer lab in the basement of Smith Hall. See, it's still there. Get, yeah, you get a fucking hot dog and a diet coke at the fucking Smith's Cafe, and you go into Smith, and you had you had to fucking go on. What's my so go for? Something, go your something. get your punch card out. Yeah, you had to fucking. It looked like the Whopper, you know. <laughs> it looked like fucking war games. That's what it was. Yeah. And you that's how you bought stock. Man. That's how. That's how you did it back in the day. That's how you would post up on the boards <laughs> the trades you were trying to make. Now you basically do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So, so this group of redditors, what's it, what they call them, are all are, are are all around this Wall Street. It's all about investing. And apparently, I didn't know this, but there's a there's a there's a portion of them that are producing uh, some pretty good uh, analysis. And there are other ones who are just kind of reading it but they all decide or or they seem to decide uh to start buying and driving up the price of particular stocks that hedge funds have taken a short position in so as people probably know these hedge funds and these capital firms look for dying companies to then uh, basically rake over the coals. They laden these companies with debt. They take short positions, which means they want the price to go down. 
they they basically buy a stock at a low price before, or they sell a stock at a price before they even buy it and they do it in reverse. And you know, it's it's just this horrible thing that these these big capital firms do. So the subredditors decide they're going to look at these firms like GameStop, who are like this old mall used to buy video games. Now, now you get them all over the internet. People don't go there anymore. So this company's sort of losing value. It'll probably be sucked up by some other firm, whatever. <laughs> these guys on the internet and girls, uh, so I never know if that's a neutral term anymore. I don't know. Uh, they decide. Folks. To f- <laughs> Folks has a, folks has another historical very bad historical context. All right, damn it. Uh, uh, it was worse than citizen. Wor- worse than citizen, actually. But uh, so they decide to start buying the stock. So it goes in the other direction, but it goes from like ten dollars to three hundred dollars. <laughs> so the company, this 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 firm that had these short options, they were hoping it would go down to like five dollars. Had to get out of it yesterday, but before it went to four hundred dollars, and they went bankrupt today. Galvin, Galvin, uh, Melvin. Melvin, 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 Melvin. Melvin. Wasn't a Melvin a reverse wedgie? Isn't that what they called it anyway? Man, you are you're quizzing me, and I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm old. This is a lot of old. There's going to be a lot of old terminology, and I cannot be canceled. I can't be canceled. No one will. No one can. I can, will never be held accountable for anything. You can't be canceled. I can't be owned. No one can Correct. ever own me better than I Jess can. Jess cannot so. be owned. Can't be owned. Hey, love so it. anyway, so now the story is, so now the Biden White House has had to talk about it. NASDAQ <laughs> is in a tizzy. They're try- they don't really know how to, how to deal with this because people are familiar with pump and dump. You know, there's been like the boiler room and Wall- Wolf of Wall Street where these guys will basically trick you into thinking this this penny stock is going to go real high and they pump it pump it pump it pump it but they have a short position and then it blows up and but that that's all done secretly you see this was done openly on the internet they told everybody what they were going to do so it wasn't like a scam it was like we're just going to do this and manipulate this stock and put this fucking hedge fund company out of business and it, i think it's the great it's one of the greatest things that's happened uh, in banking in my lifetime, yeah. probably won't last. Highly unlike. I mean, and all the other all the other companies getting pumped too are like are distinct from GameStop. Uh, one of the things I've learned spending a lot of time on Reddit and kind of getting caught up on this for the uh, the past week or so is like what a unique position GameStop was in. Like the only company in the stock market or like in the Nasdaq to have more than all of its shares shorted. Yeah. And so it created this and a lot of and what I learned is a lot of the like, you know, the price jumps that you saw weren't just people buying. But once the price got to a certain point, then hedge funds had to go back and basically purchase more stock in order to cover their positions because they had lost so much money in their short orders. And so then they had to reshort it again. And as the price got higher and higher, they're just thinking, okay, it's definitely going to go down now. So we'll short it again. We'll short it again. We'll short it again. And they lost, what is it, like something like $9 billion? Yeah, billions and billions of dollars. Hundreds of billions of dollars, I think, at this point. And the thing is, all they had to do, apparently, this is, I'm not a financial advisor, but this is what the, the this is what they're all saying on the website. They're on Reddit. They're just like, they're like, guys, we just need to hold these. Like, there are literally not enough shares out there for them to sell them all and make their money back without mm-hmm. a lot of us getting 
you know, getting a payday. Um, and, uh, and so there's just like, and so there's like, you know, buy and hold. And every time they make a, you know, they make a short sell, we'll just, you know, we'll just hang on for as long as possible. <laughs> I saw a great meme today. It was, uh, it was the beginning of, um, uh, the beginning of um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, except it was the gang takes down a hedge fund, and I was just like, <laughs> "Yes, <laughs> pretty accurate." <laughs> yeah, solidarity with all those all those folks. Yeah, for real, for real. What's what it? do you think the backlash will be, though? Because like you're gonna get. I, I was joking I, earlier that you're gonna get like regulations against disrupting the process of shorting rather than well, regulations against shorting. Here's the problem. <laughs> it's funny that you say that. Well, number one, I don't think people understand that. One of the reasons this was able to be done was now that the, now there are apps where you can tr actually trade stocks for free short term, where you didn't able, weren't able to do that before. Uh, I think one's called Robinhood, uh, ironically. I think, that's, I think that's run by Citadel Capital. I'm not positive. But the reason that those things exist is so that you can trade for free at, at a small amount. But then they sell that data to hedge funds, and then hedge funds can aggregate that at speed, like at, at, at milliseconds, and then their algorithms do what they're, what's called high-frequency trading. You've probably heard of high-frequency trading and didn't know what it was. They're able to do big orders before the market hits. So they're able to execute a big order based on da data they bought from the free right. buying and selling platform. Based on what retail investors people. are doing. Correct. So that's the reason that this that, that that this was able to 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 be done, which is when you think about it, it's sick. But to, but then to, you also see exactly how like the retail investor continues to get screwed because even like if you wanted to participate but you had a TD Ameritrade account, they shut you out. They said you couldn't purchase these stocks. Of course, and, and actually, they're, I they think they're taking. Could, I think they're trying to take some of these Reddits off of their sort of like they did with Parler. Parler can't. Yeah. Like they don't yeah, have they Amazon Web. Wall, Wall Street bets. Wall Street bets got kicked off of. Um, their, so Wall Street bets of, got taken off, off of Discord, yeah. off of Reddit. Correct. So and what do they the do? They're like, is, no, we're the only ones that are able to fix this. Exactly. You need to. We're own the only a ones that are allowed to do this. Yes. Is really what you, they're saying. You the wrong people are manipulating the market. Exactly. The poor's can't win. What the hell? You need to own a home in South. You need to own a home in Southampton. And be able to have a nice party where you can entertain 12 hedge fund managers and serve the best wine. Then you can manipulate the market. Yeah. Until then, so we're taking you off of like, Discord. The, tool, the tools that you even have available to, to do this are still like can, can be used against you, right? Because TD Ameritrade can say, no, 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 we're not letting you buy these things. Robinhood could say... Oh, you know what? We're not going to let you sell this. We're just going to like shut this down. Like, and they can control your experience and your pathway into the market still. So it's like, even in doing this, there's so many ways that the retail investor can still get screwed outside of, you know, betting their money and losing it. But like the, 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 the powers that be will shut down that activity before they'll ever go after the shit that is this on the daily that is bleeding companies dry that is destroying people's lives but making billions of dollars for a handful of people like, so actually, capital owns like something like 13 uh i think 13 million shares or something i read earlier today gamestop um you know they're perfectly happy like they're perfectly happy with what's going on now because right. you know blackstone capital is making billions they're watching one of their rivals lose billions but this other hedge fund is making billions um so i mean well, I think what the it does. The house always wins, right? It's a well, casino. Yeah, of exactly. Course. The house always wins. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Well, as I told somebody today, it's 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 hilarious, and it's it's 
it's awesome, but it's not an investment strategy. No, like no. it's what it's what it's doing. Hopefully, and what it will continue to do if 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 these people can figure out how to continue to do it if they're kicked off the Discord and all that is expose the fact that it's that it's all fake. Yeah. Sort of like we were talking about the, the Delaware, all the rules in Delaware are all just put together. It's all fake. It's all engineered for particular people to do particular kinds of business and then they'll 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 send a third of our budget off and that you just that's happens and then that that there's no other talk about it. And so I hope that something like this sort of like Jordan's journalism will just at least expose this for what it is and then the integrity or the credibility of like not that the credibility of the stock market was was very high anyway. <laughs> I mean, only 20% of the people are even yeah. like invested in it. But but the the idea that this institution that people think is like a, a real thing has been exposed for being like it's not real. It's or the thing that we've been supposed to like sacrifice our lives for for the last year. Like and I think that's what this should be like Jordan's right. Like sure one private equity company or hedge fund or whatever got destroyed in this others are making tons of money off of it it's not about like taking them down but it is about the opportunity to have a conversation about what all this shit is and what it does to people's lives and like so that's what we should be doing out of this sure it's like kind of funny but there's there's also an element of like yeah it's incredible it's funny. extremely funny <laughs> i mean if, if you don't think this is funny oh, i don't even like, know I, I can't no, even i can't I don't imagine even know. not thinking this is funny you know who doesn't think this is funny everyone on cnbc oh, right you know who actually oh, yeah. doesn't think, no you know that's one of the reasons that's one of the biggest that's why it's so funny, funny. that's why it's funny you know who i feel bad for i feel bad for mets fans because <laughs> they finally got it they finally got an owner who was going to spend on players and turns yes. out steve cohen is like heavily invested in getting screwed on this so poor Mets fans can't win you know there was one there was one They're interview all... today where um uh you know the um the 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 CNBC host said uh, you know to the person being interviewed you know well, we're happy that these people are making money and the guy on the other end of the phone just goes no you're not it's obvious you're not none of you are happy they're you're make they're making money like they are obviously irate Freaking that someone out. has right. gained a system right the fact that this got I mean you said it before like it got bubbled up to the white house like like people are freaking out and because they want to shut it down exactly, right? it doesn't exactly. get to the white house unless head fund owner hedge fund owners start calling the biden administration exactly. saying yo what's going on here exactly yeah, and we can Regular talk about how you know democrats that... are very tied to the banks and tech in particular and we'll we'll do what they want them to but that's another conversation maybe <laughs> well it's yeah, interesting I... I was just reading this like literally earlier today before I was looking into it, I was reading this book, um, Freedom from the Market. A very good book, just got released. Um, but one of the things it talks about is sort of the rise of neoliberalism in like the 70s and the 80s. Um, and one of the big parts of that was basically restructuring how these all these corporations are run and traded. Because uh, for a while, it basically been like, oh, corporations, it's a public corporation. You, know, you got to take into account the shareholders, you got to take into account the managers, the workers, the society, all that stuff. Um, but in the 70s, they were like, no, fuck you. It's just the shareholders. Um, and so they changed all these you know, financial rules, regulations. Um, nationally, obviously, Delaware was a big part of that here. Um, and said, OK, shareholders are the only thing that matters. Oh, yeah. and also they run it now. Yes. So what you saw in the 70s and the 80s was all these shareholders hostily took over all these corporations. Um, so you had all these mergers. You had hostile takeovers of just like kicking out management and all this stuff. Um, 
And that basically directly led to the system that we have today where you can just do what the hedge funds were doing, where you can load them with debt and then short them and then make money off of that because you're the ones who run things because you can buy the stocks. Right. Um, but also you can just buy a bunch of stocks, pump up the price, and then make a whole bunch of money off of it. Um, and that's why I think it's interesting that you might have seen that like Elon Musk was a big mm -hmm. supporter of this whole effort to like pump up these stock prices because he's pissed off. I mean, he's not exactly a sympathetic character, but like he's pissed off because a lot of people short Tesla stock trying to get the company to sink um, mm -hmm. because they assume it's going to sink, which it probably is one, one way or the other um, that are intentionally driving down these prices because none of it's related to actual value. Oh, and that's the funniest, and that's really the main point of all this is that none of this is proved more. I mean, the, if the pandemic didn't prove it, this proves it that none of this is related. Market prices are not value; not. they never have been, and this has made it more clear than ever that no, it, there's not even a correlation at this point. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's also led to just like that's not going to be very financialization of <laughs> yeah, but it's also led to this like financialization of everything, everything. where it, like. Every single thing gets like packaged up in some sort of investable asset now. So, like, it, we saw it with mortgages, right? I don't think a, a whole lot of people, myself included, I was, you know, just out of college, didn't know that mortgage backed securities were a thing, right? Like, that this is something that you can now buy. It is a package of loans that you can purchase. And that has happened to companies, it has happened to property, like, every it's single to water. thing. It's happening to water, <laughs> commodities. Like, it's going to happen to air pretty soon. And yep. I mean, that's the whole point of like carbon dividend or whatever the, the yeah, cap and trade system yes. is basically marketizing. Yeah. Air. Financializing mm -hmm. carbon in the air so that you can buy and invest in it. And then we'll start shorting that. And what does that mean? We want to drive more carbon into the air to actually make yep. it worse for everybody. Great. We're on a great track, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but I do believe we could change things. I yes. <laughs> Well, what's really, I think what's really upsetting about this, too, is it didn't have to be this way. With, like, a really worker-centered policy, you can still have stocks and stock markets where you have worker co-ops where those types of things go to the workers. And then you have, like, workers invested in their businesses and things like that. But, you know, instead it's the opposite, right? We have pulled resources from workers and pulled wealth away from the working class. And, you know, that's, and, you know, this is what we got. And control. And this is a weird, oh, yeah. in a weird way, it's almost reasserting control. Obviously, mm -hmm. it's just completely fake because you're not, you're, you're screwing some people over, but you're not obviously not changing the system. But like, it is in a weird way. And I think that's part of why people are so upset because A, it shows that the whole thing's a scam. And B, that like, yeah, it's the experts are no longer in charge, which I mean, that's, isn't that the whole theme of the last five years? Right, right, exactly. Yeah. And I saw something just the other day about how if, Apple was a worker co-op. Every single person would be making four hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, and like, <laughs> right? And like, I, right, I mean, that it. is my. I am obsessed with the concept of a worker co-op. I think that's how things should be arranged. Because to what point that Carl was making is that, you know, well, I think workers should be in control of their destiny and have control over all the decisions that get made. But we have completely lost any of that impact and that and that influence over what gets done in our companies, who's valued, how it gets valued. And stocks could still exist in companies, but mm -hmm. they should actually be maybe what they started as is like, we're going to loan you money as a way to help you get what you want to get. Right. Not this completely bastardized, like you have no idea what you're actually putting money into. Um, mm -hmm. It's, I don't know. 
Well, next year, Delaware's very own Leo J. Strine Jr. Um, wrote a paper, and I because that was the other thing that popped in my mind. It was, it was like, oh wait, we have a guy here that's kind of talked about a lot of this yeah. in terms of like, I mean, he's not perfect on everything, but like he's you know knows a lot about corporate governance, and he wrote this thing about how like yeah, basically our entire corporate governance system doesn't make any sense, yeah. um, and because it has the shareholder primacy, and it doesn't have to be that way. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people maybe on the socialist end of things would make the argument that that's how it's inevitably going to end up because if you have that profit margin or that profit uh, incentive driving everything, then eventually, yeah, you're going to try to make it. But like we can change the laws. We have a democratic system where you can technically do that and we can make it so that it doesn't have to be, it used to not be this way. Like it used to, it sucked, but it wasn't this bad. Um, And we can go back to changing (laughs) corporate governance. Yeah, we can just suck a little bit. Regular sucking, like that extra, extra sucky suck. We can suck, but also still have like 50% union density. Um, (laughs) Yes, I'd love that. Medium suck. Let's Mm -hmm. work on that. That's a new baseline we have to get to. And and speaking of history, (laughs) I've been watching and monitoring my uh, emails so I can let you guys know. This whole thing about manipulating sort of markets and... um, you know, I think markets, people get confused about market. Markets can always exist. I mean, Jordan made a great point about co-ops. Like, markets can exist. It's just a matter of, like, who is, is the government and the democratically, is the, is the democratic government going to incent and, and create rules for, for whom and to do what? Like, so I, I'm, I'm always, like, pe- people who think, who know I'm a Marxist sort of don't understand that sort of idea. I, 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 I I think there are always a, there's markets for things. It's just a matter of how that they're how they're organized. I was just so glad that Jordan brought up the uh, the co-op thing because I'm a, I'm a huge I'm a I'm a huge advocate of that wherever it can be. Well, because everybody always goes to like regulation, but the other option is like who's actually in power mm-hmm. and who makes the decisions. Yeah. Well, think about decision. regulations initially was, and I've been reading a lot, so pardon me for referencing books. Um, but there was a, I was reading a book about sort of the rise of the progressive movement in terms of legislative and co- coalition politics. And a lot of the demands early on of like these farmers' parties, these workers' parties were like, no, we don't want to regulate the railroads. We want the government to run the railroads. We want the government to run these communications. Um, and then that sort of ran up against this sort of very strong business interest that existed back then. You might have heard about it, it's Gilded Age. Um, and so they, but they, these people like want a lot of office. They got a lot of power. So they were able to actually put force. So it's, they couldn't just, the government could no longer just leave railers to do whatever, re- leave railroads, leave these trusts to do whatever they wanted. And so there was a compromise position. And what you do is you have regulation, you create this bureaucracy. Um, but the inevitable end result of that is that a the people in business are going to try to take over the bureaucracy, um, b the bureaucracy and you know the regulatory system and the people running businesses are working against each other. So it's, the whole thing's just extremely inefficient. Um, and that's when you start to maybe run into the idea of what if we nationalize certain things? And that's a scary word, but like um, in a lot of cities because um, this is obviously more prominent at a municipal level where you could have strong local governments doing these things. Like a lot of cities municipalized um, a lot of public services, like they had public uh, trolley systems, they had public electricity, they had public sewers, they had all this public stuff. A lot of them still do. Um, and when you're just running it to, 
I mean, the post office is basically this as well. When you, I mean, there's another issue there in terms of just like what happens when bad people take over, but when it's being run well, like bureaucracy and regulation can, I mean, they have their place, but actual ownership with a stake. And that's why the ownership question of this whole thing is so important. If something is being run specifically to actually help people rather than to achieve a profit motive, rather than something that's trying to achieve a profit motive, but is being blocked by regulatory things, those are two very different things that produce two very different results. Yeah. So this is what I'm going to uh, let you guys know. This is a big announcement because it, it fits right into what you were talking about. <clears throat> and I don't know if you started reading the book yet, uh, but I just received an email from Richard White, the author of The Republic for Which It Stands, which is a history. It's the, it's the Oxford history of uh, Reconstruction in the Gilded Age. He's going to come on and do he's going to come on and do a podcast. Uh, and. We're going to talk about a lot of this stuff. Like a perfect example. And I, we might not even get to talk about this because it's kind of minor in the book. It's only maybe 50 pages. But there's this story about like how they had to start tackling like disease in the cities. Because the Gilded Age people would go live somewhere else. And then the people in the cities were dying of like dysentery. And like they couldn't figure out like how are we gonna we're we gonna fix this like we, they don't want to tax people nobody with money wanted to pay and there's this whole sort of political machination about how to pay for like public services so so basically shit wasn't in the street <clears throat> and I don't even know if I get it but he, but he he covers it in in, in 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 a way that it puts it just in as Carl was saying like yeah people don't even like even to be able to to understand that from a health perspective for everybody that we, what did you say earlier? We live in a society. We live in a society. We can't like, I know everybody wants to. And, and, and the thing, um, the thing in the Gilded age was, and, and in reconstruction was to go out and finish the West. So if you, if you give people this idea that they can go out and just basically it's the next step from wage labor Ty was saying earlier about how you're always tied to somebody who has to pay your wage. But the idea, American dream, whatever, was to be able to go out and get land and then actually evolve out of a wage situation. Oh, so he's pointing at Carl's pointing at his book. That's the same thing. It, yeah, it wasn't about that. It was this Lincoln Springfield like. You're you're in wage labor, but that's only a temporary sort of uh, situation for you. You could go be a yeoman farmer and just be self sufficient or whatever. Now that individuality, that 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 I, that argument was easy when like <clears throat> when we had a big army and we could just massacre the Indians and take all the land. But that's over. Like there's nothing left. We took all of it already. Well, there's and colonialism, so but that right. Correct, but it's not. Um, yeah, I mean the 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 context isn't what it was when when Stanley went up to Congo. You know, there's no somehow there, there's there's armed claim to almost everything now. It's all locked up. You know, so it's been a it's been a process to do that, but now somehow 
you know, there's a, there's enough shit going down where somebody's going to fight you for it. It's not just unclaimed, unclaimed shit. And so what now? What the fuck? Native Americans fought a decent amount. Oh, no. I mean, the Natives of Americans fought hard. I mean, they might have fought harder than than anybody. But but if that's, but the, you know, solidarity to them, but that's over. So now what do we do? Because there's no, you can still sell people on the American dream, like, story. But, like, if you wanted to go somewhere to be self-sufficient, the way Jefferson thought you could or the way Lincoln thought you could, where do you go? Wyoming. <laughs> okay. I hear the farm. There. there is a lot of land there, but I don't know. I mean, I don't like Well, it's probably I, owned by massive agri agribusiness now. Correct. ConAgri. You can rent, you can lease with a with an oil option companies. to buy. Yes. Yeah, fracking. Oil a lot of fracking. Yeah. But again, that's what I hope I'm I'm just really pumped because uh, this is a really great book and I'm I'm fucking crushing on uh on reconstruction in the Gilded Age, so I'm really excited to talk to this fucking guy. Yeah, nice. I'll, I'll have to tune in. All you motherfuckers, as a patron. In. I know it. that's right. You gotta make sure you remind me. I'm forgetful. <laughs> you're, oh yeah, you're very forgetful. <laughs> it's horrible. So, last topic. This inaugural, and and I think we all we all experienced something. Being, being in Delaware at this time. We experienced something at this, this inauguration day that was very bad. It didn't feel good for a number of reasons. Um, we're going to have to deal with the, um, the after-party hangover, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I mean, of all of the champagne popping and day drinking and wine mom Facebook tomfoolery, we had to deal with it the most because, yes, yes, Ty knows what's up. Because Uncle Joe is our Uncle Joe. So every fucking wine mom in the 302 was gone off. Now, the only thing to change for them is they don't have to get mad at the TV. And I'm happy that they don't have to get mad at the TV. I don't want anybody to be mad. But I'm still mad for the reasons that we talked about before. And watching a ceremony that was uh, basically under a military occupation where it was about as uh, inspiring as John Carney's State of the State address, I can't, like, I can't get into it. And I want to make sure other people can't get into it too because I'm not having any of this nonsense. And it's it's interesting because Different people hit me up different times during the day, during the inaugural. And I had, was talking to people, and uh, I think Carl and I talked that day too. And like different people were just like, man, I'm really down today. And you know what I said? I love to hear it. Thank goodness. I'm glad. Made me so, it made me so happy that people were disappointed because our, our crew, our people saw that, and they were like, nah, that, that's not it. That's not it. 
And, and so it was difficult to feel that way in the midst of like a bunch of like a fan people fanning out, you know, fan, you know, just, just like loving it. Uh, but the fact of it is I was so happy to hear people watching that inaugural and just being like, that's garbage. And so I'm wondering what, uh, what everybody's take on it was. I didn't watch it. Thank I That's, I love that. I mean, same. <laughs> <laughs> that, but, but uh, so let me be fair. I didn't really, I didn't actually, I mean, I watched bits and pieces. I seen about five, 10 minutes of the whole thing, but what was your react? I mean, you must have, you must have had some reaction to the, to the, 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 the pulse of the political online, you know, Delaware scene. Like, what was your reaction to that? I was annoyed before it even started. And I had to make it very um, political. I was I tried really hard to make this nicest little post in the Delaware DSA because I was so tired of people worrying about my safety from Trumpsters while trying to hide, okay? At the same time, and it aggravated me. So by the time we got to the election inaugural, I was done, you know, because it was like everybody was scared of these people as if they haven't been terrorizing all this time, you know. And the fact that it took them to literally try to kidnap and overthrow our government for anybody to take them serious, I was over it. You know what I mean? I just felt like the whole country let us down as a people, like meaning all of the people. We've been terrorized all this time, and it took that them to try to literally plan and get all the way in there with help and then you want to do a celebration i felt like we shouldn't even have been allowed to have an inauguration it should have just been skipped so i was bitter and so i didn't watch <laughs> yeah i think well and like rob what you're saying about people just sort of not not getting that high maybe they were hoping for from it. Like, I think in some ways, maybe that's a good thing. Like, maybe it's like, it's not going to hit the same, especially when you're talking about it happening with the backdrop of like what Ty is talking about. Like this, that was a, a culmination of what has been, well, I mean, obviously decades and decades, but really drawn, like run up in the last four or five years of the way people talk about each other the way people talk about who the villains are in this country and and who is villainized and it it did almost feel like people were talking about talking about it with such seriousness which is right but it, it felt a little bit like a, like it almost like they were surprised and like people were saying like this wasn't yes. predictable and it's like this was planned in in public so i don't yes. really understand why this is shocking people. And then I think you're right. Like it was very odd to then turn around and, and have this kind of like pomp and circumstance and this, what felt like an attempt to sort of pretend like this is normal and like, we're just going to move on from here. And I think if, if people did come away, not feeling like cured, maybe that's a good thing. Like this stuff is not going to hit the same anymore. Like we need more than just going through the the norms and getting back to the norms and and maybe that is i don't know that's not what i'm hopeful for i guess and that's what i'm trying to stay focused on 
can I just say one of the the I think my favorite part of the the inauguration was um, Amanda Gorman's poem, uh, the hill hill we climb, which um, you know I thought was really powerful, but also like almost a completely different message than what we were also getting from the Democratic establishment. The entire you know model of build back better has this kind of like backward looking kind of trajectory to it, and Gorman's was very much forward looking. That yes, we are basically I think one of the only people at that inauguration who didn't sugarcoat um, anything, speaking truth to power, saying that she was the only person there, I think, to actually acknowledge that the government was almost overthrown. And, uh, and, you know, and uh, like, you know, Garth Brooks is there in some, you know, fucking jeans, you know, who cares? Right. Right. Um, And it just, that felt like like so disconnected. Yeah. I was just like, like, you know, clearly we have this one voice here, and I have it pulled up before me, you know, just like looking at some of her words, like, you know, the terrifying hour, right, that, um, you know, destroy our country if it meant delaying democracy, you know, this very effort very nearly succeeded, right? Like, you know, a, to some extent, like a very dark poem or like, you know, a poem that's recognizing we're in a dark place, but it's saying like we can be, you know, look forward to this brighter future. But I was just like, this is, you know, this is also not the the message that we're, we're by and large are getting from the democratic establishment, which is like, okay, Trump's gone now. Let's just, let's just go back to normal. And it's like, man, normal's kind of sucks. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's how we got here. Normal's how we got well, here. Yeah. And I let, had, me, let me throw I had, out like, one. A tough con- I was just gonna say, like, I had a conversation like that with some friends because I mean, I think I've said before, like I've got Trumpian parents and like, it's not over and that january 6th was not the end that was not a defeat like every i had people literally saying like well ever since trump is off twitter like the 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 disinformation and the misinformation has stopped and i'm like it has not you're not hearing about it on msnbc or cnn it's not getting retweeted onto your timeline but it has not stopped and i was i was just really frustrated by people saying that saying that like you know oh, and look republicans are turning their back on him and it's like guys we can't just fall right back to like where we were i know we're tired like <laughs> believe me we are all tired but it, it is not the time to stop it is not fixed and and trump is not going away the people who i mean these marjorie green taylors of the world like if they keep building power like we are absolutely heading in a dark direction and and one election is not going to change that, particularly if it does not result in genuinely like <laughs> important and, and powerful policy that changes people's lives for the better. Because there are a whole lot of people who are identifying the right problems, but I am uninterested in their right wing solutions to them. And we have to put real solutions in front of them that change their the, the material conditions of their lives or, or we're in trouble in, in just two years here. Like, why are we so, why are the Democrats so damn timid about giving people $2,000? Oh why is it so hard? It's embarrassing. Why it's do you like, want your first thing to be a, 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 like a bait and switch? And maybe you could, whatever, you could argue it never was, but that's what people think. Why would you want that to be your first thing? <laughs> well, here's, here's what I'll, here's what I'll say. I'm going to throw out something controversial and this will maybe how we'll end it and see what people think about it. I, my position on the June on the January sixth thing is a little bit different. I certainly appreciate the fact that it was extremely dangerous. 
Um, but when Carl, I was on Carl's porch when I found out that they had breached the Capitol and I laughed out loud. Uh, and I still think it's very funny because they didn't threaten to overthrow the government. I don't think they ever could have. They could have, they could have assassinated a member of Congress or a vice president. And that would have been really something. They, they, I mean, they killed a cop and they had to kill somebody trying to dive through the fucking door. And so, yeah, I, I get that. I get that. But I don't think threatening government officials or threatening the structure of the government is the same as threatening the government. I don't think that there was a I don't think that it could have turned out where the government would have fallen or, or that the, the inauguration wouldn't have happened. That doesn't mean it wasn't dangerous, but that much is true. And my position on that poem, because I went back and listened to the whole thing, I only heard a clip of it, and my parents told me how much they liked it, so I was all immediately suspicious. <laughs> it was very sus, very sus. I heard somebody liked it, and no, no offense to Jordan, but it was, it was sus. And I hated it, and I'll tell you why. I think uh, the the reference to uh, the government being in th threatened is overblown. Not that it wasn't dangerous, but it was overblown. I think that the entire concept of the poem was this idea that we have these values that we never have lived up to, but we can. And I, I'm, not, I'm not sold on that. I'm starting to get less sold on that idea. Like, I'm not sure if the moral arc of history bends towards justice. I think we got to fuck it. We got to bend it. You got to bend it. Yeah. Like, it doesn't just happen. It has to be bent. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't think that, I, I, I don't think we were set up to succeed if we just follow our, our core values. I think that's fake. And I think sending out, and, and I'm in, very interested in Ty because I know I got to get called out. I think sending out a, uh, a, uh, a, a young, articulate uh, black woman from Los Angeles to do the, to do like the slam poetry and do like the, I mean, it was a beautiful presentation. I like the way it was presented. Like I like the way that the cadence was done and the way that it was like slam poetry. But I think that the point of it was a bunch of bullshit. And I, I that's my thought. Ty, tell me I'm wrong. I agree 100%. Let me tell you the reason why I agree, okay? I'm always, I'm glad, Rob, that you step, I'm always the asshole in the room, okay? So thank you for taking that up for me. Well, that's why, believe me, that's why we pulled, that's why we pulled you into the crew. Because it's like, what did Rodney Dangerfield, what what Rodney, what did Rodney Dangerfield say in the Back to School? Oh, this is another old reference. If you want to look thin, oh, hang out that. with fat people. Yeah, that exactly. thing. Exactly. If you want, if you, exactly. if you want to look good, I'll hang out with Ty because she'll tell you what the fuck is up. So this is my issue, okay? And my issue is, before I even knew anything was going to happen, I was just waiting to see what what were they going to do that's going to be performative. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, we keep using this token idea. Every time somebody wants to come unity or they want to do this, they go grab a person of color. Go do one of your cultural things. Okay? I would have much rather seen a female with blonde hair, blue eyes do it. You understand what I'm saying? Because then she's speaking to her people. 
because this is not going to change until the people that look like that get on board. Because it doesn't matter how many of us, remember, we're only 13% of the population, they keep telling us, and most of us are in jail. doesn't matter how many of us get up there and try to make change. You understand what I'm saying? It's never going to happen. So to keep putting us up there every time to try to encourage people to do this, and oh, what, it's like it's tokenism. You can count on it. They always do this. But nothing changes. We've been doing the same thing every single time. And it's not going to change. We don't need to keep speaking to us. They need to get their, the people who went to, when they went to go um, do the stuff for the White House and the insurrection, they didn't say, hmm, let me go find me one Black person to come lead the way. And that's my whole point. Like every single time it's the same thing. And the Democratic Party is good for this. The same token, you're not going to give us health care. You're not going to, you can't give us $2,000, but you want us to do a freaking poem? Screw the poem. Give us our, our damn stimulus. <laughs> I want my stimmy. <laughs> give me my stimmy. Well, and so. I didn't see it, but I did see that Amanda Gorman is going to be at the Super Bowl. And that's the kind of stuff that is making me crazy, where it oh, just turns that. into entertainment. It turns every single thing. It's just packaged in this way where it's all about like the clips that we can make out of it, the entertainment value out of it and the celebrity element. And, and it exactly. just is like, that's not what's going to make the difference. And I'm disappointed when I see things like, it's dumb. It's a tweet. But Senator Schumer tweeting about there being dogs back in the White House. And it's just like, bro, I don't I can't have this conversation with you again. Like, it's a tweet. It should put be the throwaway. wolf, 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 wolf press release out there. Oh, God. Like, God damn. Yeah, it's that just, person? <laughs> I feel like it's just like being treated like children. It's insulting. And it's insulting. It, it, That's it's, a very good word. Insulting. And, you know, like people are so much smarter than this. You know, we, all of us here have had so many one-on-one -on -one conversations with people who do not want to be pandered to in that way, can see right through these things, genuinely need shit to change. And this is just not a winning formula. It, Jordan, you said it before, like, starting here is what got us here. And like, we don't need to keep doing this loop over and over. And I think a whole lot of people are either going to drop out or they're going to like actually make things change. And I, I feel like that's the only options. And if, if the people who are engaged drop out, like we're, we're really going to head to a dark place because the, the, the right seems to be able to keep their people engaged and they give them what they ask for. And the Democrats have completely refused to do that. And, and it's why we lose people over and over. Well, and don't forget, too, that the South held on to the lost cause narrative for, uh, yeah. you know, geez, like, you know, 115, 60 years uh, up until the present, really. So, I mean, right. have they, know, I was going to say, have, have they dropped it yet? Currently. Like, so. Yeah, it'll be like 2150 and people will still be talking about it. Mm -hmm. Well, they've changed the flag in Mississippi, so racism's over. So. Yeah. Oh, well, solved it. That. Performative actions, I tell you. That's one thing. It's a nice flag, though. It is a nice flag. I got to give them that. But, like, how many... Um, Trump judges, did he appoint Mississippi? Probably all of them. Yeah. yeah. And they still have their weird um, Jim Crow era. I don't know how it's still even legally allowed. Uh, a system of electing their governor that's basically just an electoral college that like, was abolished in Georgia in the 1960s. But for some reason, Mississippi still is allowed to have it. Jeez. Anyways, yeah.
Fun fact. Of course. And, you know, the the Supreme Court said that uh, racism is over, so there's no federal mandate to, uh, you know, impact any of the uh, any of the, the, the Voting Rights Act laws that we used they to be able it. to. Those are done. They fixed it's, it off. We're done. It's, it's that's fixed. how, that's so how slavery did in know. Delaware, because we weren't one of the states that was considered Southern, so yeah. it just continued. It Only 20% of the black population was slave, so it's not that yeah. big a deal. It's not a big deal. No. Yeah, yeah I mean, it the way hedge funds fix things, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's fixed. <laughs> we solved it. It's yeah. working for us. What is your problem? <laughs> it's working, and it's very effective. <laughs> Folks, uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Uh, this was extremely fun. I hope you had fun, because I had fun. I can't wait to be able to open the fucking studio again. And be able to do this properly where we're all s- smelling the pot smoke that I blow into the studio. I'm trading our GameStop together on our Robin Hood. Hey, uh, <laughs> you guys, you guys want to buy some. I tried to recreate some... that, but. Good I don't shit, know. good shit. <laughs> you guys, you guys want to buy some Blockbuster stock? <laughs> it's all blockchain, bro. Okay. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna blow out of here. We gave you enough content. Uh, you guys are you guys should be uh, you guys should be kicking into Delaware Call. We talked about that. Everybody should be doing that. That's important. That's organizing work because you kick in. We do all of our work, but then you also get involved, and then we bring more people on. Then they start telling stories. Then all of a sudden, people's lives are better. It's crazy how that happens. But also, you could kick into the podcast as well. Ty's going to be in here. I think once a month, we're just going to have Ty yell at everybody and just be like, "What are that. you doing? Why are you doing? <laughs> what, what are you? Why are you being dumb?" I think we're going to call it. We're going to have a segment. Ty is asking you why you're stupid. <laughs> and it's just going to be positive stuff too. <laughs> well, that <laughs> that'll be that'll be bonus for. That'll be I'm for gonna pa- keep a tally. How often for, you guys are being positive? That'll be patrons only. Positive stuffs for patrons only. Everybody else gets fucking negativity. Negativity for fucking freeloaders. Freeloaders get negativity. But uh, you guys know what to do. Um, you know, there's a big year coming up, and there's we have to continue this this fight. You know, it's not like Obama. There's no there's no sea change. You know. Capitalism has isn't the end of history. You know what I mean? That's all bullshit. It's a lack of imagination. And with Carl and with Jordan and with Ty and with Jess and with I and with what what, what this Delaware call is going to do is is help you sort of practice your imagination, think differently, because we can do different stuff. We don't have to be stupid. We don't have to do this. We don't have to be a fucking tax haven to fund fucking elementary schools. That's stupid. We don't even do that. (laughs) Yeah, we barely do that. We barely, we fucking barely do that. So, everyone, you know what to do. I hope you've been entertained, but it's more important than that. You know what it is. Um, Keep listening. Left is best.